Welcome to The Empathetic Man. My name is Sethi Hillier, and I'm joined with Namesh Gupta, and together we are going to help explore how you as a man can be more empathetic. Each week, we are going to dive into a topic that may relate to your relationship with your spouse, your kids, or just life in general. We are looking forward to your engagement and your feedback, so let us know through your comments what other questions we can tackle, and we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Hey, everyone. Sethi here with Namesh. Welcome back to Empathetic Man. So in today's episode, what we'd like to talk about is actually this podcast I was recently listening to from Jay Shetty, and I felt like it was just really timely. It went into the topic of how, you know, there's people in your life, and sometimes you're in these situations where these people can have such a huge impact on you in terms of how you feel, how you perceive yourself. Sometimes these people are, are folks that, you know, are kind of there by requirement, right? They're family members, you know, people who you not can necessarily uh, live without, or, you know, they're even friends that you've had for a long time or um, significant others you've had for a while where, again, you're kind of finding yourself in this situation where what they say to you or how they engage with you ultimately starts to create a lot of internal struggles. And so I thought what I would do is just kind of bring this up for, you know, you and me to match to kind of walk through uh, in the uh, podcast, Jay kind of um, reveals this framework. It actually is an acronym. It's the word DEAL, D-E-A-L, as a way to kind of approach, you know, this situation. And then that way you can start to think about, all right, you know, is there something here worth preserving or is this something where it's again, not something that's that important to me? So again, before we kind of jump into the framework, the, the thesis of this is, you know, how do you as an individual, you know, kind of take an inventory or just kind of start to assess the, the relationships in your life and look to the ones that are causing you internal struggles, turmoil, et cetera. And how do you, best kind of communicate with that person so that you can either find the path forward or recognize like maybe this isn't the right relationship for me going forward. What do you think about that? Yeah, that sounds great. Cool. So the way he framed it, and I don't have all of the specific um, kind of stats and scenarios that he kind of pointed out, but he kind of said, you know, when you're in this situation, and I thought maybe what would be cool is we'll go through each of the letters and then we can kind of just talk about how maybe you could see that being put into practice. So again, it starts with D as in um, deal breaker. And that's essentially the first thing he asks you to do, which is decide if this is a deal breaker. So there's things in life that happen between you and another person. And some of those things can be like small pet peeves and others can be like significant. Um, so for instance, like I know I have a tendency to, uh, you know, like leave my stuff on, on the house and I've, you know, might like be having a quick shower and I'll just throw my clothes on the floor. And I know, you know, that's annoying to my wife. And she's told me multiple times, like, Hey, you know, like make sure you pick up your clothes and put them away. And, um, you kind of, the way that we kind of improved on that was we just made sure that the laundry basket was like close to the bathroom. So it's very easy, very easy to do. And, 
you know, I, I understood it too. Cause it's like, you know, I can't expect my kids to clean up their mess if they're seeing their dad making a mess there. So in that situation, obviously it wasn't a deal breaker for her, but it was something that we were able to discuss and kind of work through. But you know, there could be another thing where maybe that deal breaker is time where someone constantly shows up late. You know, you ask them to meet you and they're 10 minutes late or 20 minutes late. And in your mind, you might be thinking like, Hey, this is super disrespectful. Um, but in, in their mind, maybe they're just struggling with time management. So that's kind of the first thing. Like when you're in this situation with somebody and you're realizing that there is somewhat of a rub to ask yourself, is this a deal breaker? Is this something that I truly cannot work? It's not, it's not worth it, right? The, the person doesn't matter that much to me where it's worth working through this deal breaker or it is something where it's like, no, it is a concern and I don't want to kind of, you know, push it down and kind of then build a resentment down the road but it, it's someone I care about and I want to work through it. Any thoughts on that? No, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think the, as I'm hearing this, the thing that I'm thinking through is how do you, how do you separate being judgmental and understanding that people may have certain things about them that you don't have that would complement you or provide you another angle as opposed to you being firm with what it is you believe in so for example like i think i have ha i had this tendency in the past where i was very like all or nothing it's like look you show up on time or you don't like one thing that a lot of people know about me is just like i'm really really punctual right like you know being early is on time, being on time is being late. And, you know, if someone, it really bothered me, right? Like actually my wife, right? Like she was not on time at all and she's changed. But, you know, I, I think what I'm, the, the, the challenge for me is like deal breaker and what parameters do you set around there? Does that make sense? Yeah, and there was a little bit of a, a disconnect there when you just spoke. So I want to just make sure I'm hearing you right clear. But so what you're asking for is in these situations when you are, you know, as feeling this this feeling about, hey, this is something that's important to me, but I'm actually not seeing it being reciprocated. How do I not treat it as like a judgment, but treat it as something where okay, this is kind of their, this is kind of their personality trait. Exactly. And I could benefit from that. And I could benefit from that different perspective because it is different from me. And it's something that I haven't really considered before. Yeah. And I think that's, see, and I think that's a really important part because, you know, there is the judgment, which is, I feel like what you're doing is, <laughs> let's just say disrespectful. And so that's the first thing I'm going to see. Like, this is important to me. You're not doing it. And so I feel like I'm being disrespected. And so I'm going to judge it versus, Hey, you seem to always run late. I guess that's part of your personality and it's more of an observation versus kind of, you know, a judgment. So I, I think they both, I think they can definitely kind of overlap 
and there is kind of like this scale from like you know me just observing versus like me actually kind of like criticizing um so it's a good question and i think that is why it, it just i think that that's why i think that it starts with this d which is okay well is the person worth it for you to really invest time to explore and if it yeah. isn't then yeah. you just kind of say okay well this is really important to me i don't like people who are late the fact that you are and the fact that you're not that important to me i'm just going to write you off obviously yep. his wife this person is is very important to you so now you're going to explore it. So let's, I think this is kind of a cool transition. So as that goes into the next letter E, so it's D-E. So E is embrace, which essentially means like, okay, so this is a situation. This person runs late or, you know, another scenario that I think is kind of common is you're talking to someone and you're explaining something to somebody and you're like, oh man, like my kids are like doing this or like my boss is doing that. And the person has a tendency to be like, Oh yeah, like my kids have done this or, Oh, my boss does that to me. And it, and it feels as if like that person is now like turning it onto themselves versus like hearing your pain. But you know, so what ends up happening is in these situations is like, okay, well I'm going to, this is a, this is not a deal breaker for me because I love this person. I want to invest time. So now I'm going to choose if I want to embrace it and just be like, yep, I know so-and-so is always late. So I always kind of just prepare. And, you know, I know even for me, like, like my wife, um, um, used to run late a lot and this used to be a real big sticking point. So what I would do is I think I kind of tried to embrace it and I said, okay, well, let's say the party started at eight. I'd be like, oh, the party starts at like seven, just because <laughs> I knew she was going to run a little bit late. And maybe she's going to hear this and she's going to be like, you sneaky guy. But anyways, <laughs> I think the thing was, is like, I just was trying to figure out, okay, well, I don't know if I'm going to be able to change her. So in the, but I, you know, I care about her, so I'm just going to embrace it, but I'm also going to kind of maybe make some changes in the way I approach it so that it, it can somehow be like a win-win. Um, and I remember even with my wife, she's always told me this expression that I can't remember where she heard it, but she says, you can either find you know, something I do endearing or annoying and it's up to you because at the end of the day it is like, it, it's up to how I feel about this or how you feel about, you know, your wife showing up late or something. It's like, I'm the one that has to like feel and kind of suffer through that agony. And I can either look at it as like, ah, oh, it's super annoying and it kind of bothers me for the rest of the day. Or again, I can look at it and be like, oh, that's my wife being my wife or that's my friend being my friend. And they always do this. And I just kind of not necessarily like, you know, like give in, but I just accept them for who they are. Like, you know, there's definitely people in my life who have certain things on how they talk to people, which I might think are a little, you know, too forward. But I also know like, Hey, that's just how that person is. Like they like to be very forward. They don't like to, you know, it's like they talk like a child, like they don't hold it back. They just say what they feel. And I sometimes think of that as like, okay, well, that person is like very comfortable in being very transparent and you know, I care about them and I accept them for who they are. There is kind of a, a way to kind of approach this. That's the next letter letter, but I'll just stop there about this embrace uh, uh, step. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, I think it's interesting. I don't have a specific comment to add, but I, I do think it's important. There's a fine line between, kind of empathizing with someone, but also making sure that they are still, you know, the center point of the particular conversation where you want to tell someone, hey, like, oh, you know, I went through this, but 
you don't want to start then talking about your problem. You want to use that as a way to show the person that you genuinely do feel like you know what they're going through, but then immediately revert back to kind of, you know, what their issues are and, and help them unpack it. Yeah. And I mean, when you, for instance, asked earlier about like, well, how do you kind of view something as like not being judgmental? Have you ever kind of been in a situation where you have noticed that this person, whoever it is, is doing something yet you still, you know, value their friendship or their relationship and you found that you've had to kind of, okay, well, I'll just embrace that change. I'll, I'll just embrace that behavior. I, I've done a lot of that more recently because it's part of this effort on my end to fully realize and convince myself that like, you know, if you stick to your own, if you stick to people that are identical to you or who you think are identical to you in various ways, it inhibits your ability to kind of just grow in general. So I've been a lot more forgiving and forgiving is the wrong word. I've been a lot more open and tolerant to that. Um, but, you know, there are certain, I think back to the deal breaker part, you know, like there are certain things that I just won't engage like I, th th that are deal breakers to me. Like, you know, people who lie, for example, consistently or people who marginalize um, others out of the expense of, of, of others is, are, are kind of, I think, two areas that are, are, are deal breakers to me. Yeah. And I think that's perfect. And I think it even comes back to a previous podcast where we talked about just values, right? Like there are fundamental values that you stand for. I know, you know, ethics is one for you and just kind of, again, like being able to know like that person I think is, is going to, to in the best of their ability kind of do the right thing. And so now you have someone who's not like, I can understand like why that would be a deal breaker. And I think that's why that's kind of the first thing you have to ask yourself, but just a quick little follow on like how you've been saying in the recent period of time lately, you've been kind of more open, more tolerant, more embracing of this. How do you feel that's given you this new kind of, I don't know, just feeling internally on how you kind of sense your, your kind of body respond, your mind respond to kind of where you might've in the past done something different? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean, on one hand, I feel like it's, in, it's opened me up to more of a broader viewpoint, which I think generally has been helpful. But on the other, it has added more noise in my life in the sense where, you know, the consequence of the embrace factor is then to, you know, subject yourself to stuff that you may not have subjected yourself in the past to, you know, in my case, because I didn't, I wasn't open-minded necessarily speaking, but also because it kind of protects your emotional capital, right? Like, I feel like you only have a certain amount of emotional capital in the day. And when you start dealing with stuff that you may not be used to, you just have to be judicious about it. I mean, that said, like, how do you, like, how do you kind of approach it on the embrace front? Yeah, I think that's exactly what I've had to do is I've, you know, had to essentially look at every situation that I start to kind of feel again, something that I'm uncomfortable with. And I then 
you know, again, once I kind of assess the importance, uh, I don't want to be nitpicky, right? Because I do feel like at one part, I'm going to start to ask myself, like, am I trying to ask people to change too much? Like, am I not being amenable? Am I not being bendable? Because I do think there is something beautiful about being surrounded by people who have different points of views and different perspectives and different ways they approach things and being able to find, you know, this commonality through it all and this synergy and this ability to collaborate. So I, I, again, I think before when I would sense that annoyance build up, I would let it irk me. And now I try to go into the sense where it's like, why am I letting this bother me? You know, again, this person's important to me, so I should either embrace it uh, or I go to the next phase. So let's go to that if you don't mind, which is A, so D-E-A. And A is ask, which I actually think is probably the most challenging because basically what it's saying is now, you, here's a person you care about. Um, they are doing something that is, you know, bothersome, it, you, but you, you don't want to embrace it because it, it just fundamentally still is just not something that you can live with. So for instance, like let's take someone showing up late over and over again or always being off on time. In that situation, we go to the A, which is to ask and be like, hey, um, I noticed that you're you know, constantly like showing up 10, 20 minutes late or we're never able to kind of go to these events on time. And it's important to me, how, is there, you know, how, like, it, how, how do you, um, you know, measure time or how do you weigh time in terms of your, its importance? And it's essentially creating this dialogue with this person where to them, they may end up coming back saying like, oh, it is important to me, um, but I've always struggled. And I've struggled ever since I can remember. I'm always being late. I'm always doing this. And maybe it's an opportunity to kind of like, you know, ask those five whys and be like, well, you know, where, where is it coming from? And it's just like, oh, well, I, I find that like I overcommit. I book like so many things on my calendar that I, I, might, I like to say yes so much that I end up like putting too many things on my, my plate. And then I can't even make it to this thing on time because I already have to finish this thing. And it's kind of cool because it allows you and that person to go deep to a point where maybe you can help them potentially work through something that's related but not related. And through their their process, they can then start to be like, okay, I can actually be more efficient on my timing if I do A, B, C, and D. I, I guess before I let you respond to this, you know, I do know sometimes asking people to change is really hard. So I think it's more about asking where it's coming from or like, you know, hey, this is how I feel and this is what I notice. Like, have, like what, what do you feel about it as opposed to saying like, hey, I, this is important to me. I'd like you to do it. Will you do it? That, that may not come off as well. So I think it's about using that question to start a conversation to then unpack where there's opportunities for some change. Yeah, I actually like the ask piece. And I think in the past, I may not have had the similar response. I think it's all about delivery. I think if the person who's doing the asking is, is delivering their feedback in a very, you know, non-accusatorial yet caring way, I think that can work wonders and it can really open the door for just a stronger relationship in general. And if you do make that ask in a very caring way and the 
person on the other end is still not willing to kind of budge or takes that as offensively, I think that is something that then should be kind of a red flag in terms of your willingness to deal with that person going forward. And I think, you know, as it relates to you and I, I think that's helped us a lot in our business dealings, right? Because, you know, I'm a very, I, I generally am kind of a, an aggressive person. And when I do have certain feedback when I, when, that I want to deliver, I think in the past, it was just kind of like, no, you did this. So, you know, why did you do that? As opposed to coming to the table and saying, look, I've noticed that this is the case. I wanted to get your thoughts on what you think about that as a starting point. And I do encourage this, the, this, the step A of asking be more utilized by individuals because if done correctly, it can strengthen a relationship as opposed to, you know, affecting it in a negative way. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's probably one of your like superpowers is your ability to ask in this very non-confrontational way. And for you to be able to, you know, articulate your point of view and your feelings and then give that person the opportunity, the space to come back and say, oh, you know, cause I know for me, like a lot of times when you come to me with your feedback, a lot of the times I feel like, oh yeah, like I totally see where you're coming from. And immediately I start to not get defensive, but I start to get maybe more introspective and I start to think about you know, what I do and how I could see that, how I can see my behaviors creating that type of response and where I can start to see things improve. And, and again, it's not like, okay, well, thanks for telling me this. I'm going to start doing that. And it's a very kind of unilateral yes or no, but it's more of like, okay, like what if I did this, this, and this, could that be more beneficial? And again, it's just a dialogue. It's just a conversation to slowly make change because I, I just don't believe people can just turn turn things on and off like a light switch. I think it has to be something that is important to you, but it's also something that's doable by me, right? Because you can ask for something, but if I am not in that position, it's unrealistic. It's like, if I'm an alcoholic and you're like, Hey, I love you. You're like my, you know, and again, this is totally hypothetical, but like, you're my brother, you know, like you are in our family. I'm never going to get rid of you. And I love you, but I hate when you get wasted because you, you, you know, you scare me or this and that, like, so I need you to stop drinking. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's a tall order. But if you were to kind of come and be like, Hey man, I love you. You mean the world to me. And I enjoy celebrating with you. But I notice that when it goes a little bit past this point, it gets really difficult and I struggle and I get scared and this and that. And I want to continue our relationship and I want it to flourish you know, I want you to, I want to know how you feel about this and I want to, you know, figure out how we can work better together. And I feel like it really starts to create a, a dialogue. In fact, I'll just going more personal in this particular space. Like I remember when I used to drink a lot more, especially, you know, in college, toward the end of college, after college, I was, you know, going out with friends and just living as if like I was bulletproof. And I remember my brother kind of kind of pulling me aside one day and he, you know he was really funny because he's like very um he, he's all about kind of putting together this like presentation <laughs> like whenever he wants to explain everything it's like it's this whole story 
And he made like this PowerPoint presentation kind of showing like this line graph and it's like, you know, up and to the right or something. And it's like, you know, once you get to this one point, like it's great, you're on this rise and you're happy and you're bubbly and great. And then all of a sudden, once you hit this other like kind of Y axis, you kind of go to this point of no return. And that's where you start to like go off the deep end and it's no fun and it's, you know, blah, 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 blah. And that approach has like stuck with me. I mean, obviously I'm talking about because I remember it and I remember like, yeah, that, that resonated. And all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I, I can't promise you tomorrow I'm going to turn off, but like I slowly started to like make improvements here and there. And it, it's again, just something that I felt like if he didn't ask, um, maybe I would have eventually stopped, but because he asked, I was able to kind of get ahead of it sooner. No, thanks for sharing that. And thanks for that compliment. I really appreciate it in terms of the, the, the approach um, of asking. I guess the question I have for you then is, if you do do the asking and you're comfortable with it, and the person is, gets very defensive or doesn't appreciate that you are taking a, you know, a tone that is, is intended to open up a dialogue, what do you do in those types of situations? Yeah, it's a tough one, man. I mean, I, I first would probably ask myself, like, did I ask it the right way? I think I would first kind of take a look at the mirror and just say, like, again, did I come off defensively? Uh, was I trying, was I practicing empathy? Was I trying to be more just softer in my approach? And if I felt like I did and it was still rubbing the right wrong way, then I, I feel like it kind of comes back to then again, is this a deal breaker? And if it is, but I don't want to lose this person, is there a way I can embrace it? And maybe it's even like, well, you know, I know this person, um, for again, like if you go into alcohol, it's like, I know they like to drink and I don't see them changing anytime soon. So I'm just going to make sure that if I do, um, see them, I'm seeing them in a position where like, okay, I'm not going to go out to them. Like if they invite me to a bar, I'm not going to go. But if they invite me to like, you know, a birthday party for their kid or something, I'll go to that. And again, maybe that's your way of embracing it. Because I do think you can only do so much, right? Like you, you can kind of share how you're feeling in this kind of kind, soft, polite, respectful way. But you can't, you know, you know, you can lead a person to the water, but you can't make them drink. So if they're not going to be able to even start to make some of these changes or have this dialogue to show that they're willing to work with you, then I don't know what you can do besides, again, either living with it and, and again, kind of embracing it or just um, making a decision that this person isn't right for me. Yeah, no, makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and then the last piece, you know, I think which kind of rounds out is L which stands for like love. And, and really what he's saying is to just remember to love yourself. Cause I do think, especially, I think especially in situations where there's this obligation where it's the person's in your life because of, again, it's a family member or maybe it's an in-law or it's something like that. And they have, and you notice that when you're with them or something is said, it kind of makes you feel it kind of irks you, right? Maybe it makes you feel inadequate or whatever. And I think 
in that situation, I think it's just important to kind of remember to like love yourself and to just remember like, you know, you are not the sum of other people's opinions. You are the sum of how you feel about yourself and how you kind of, you know, show up every day. And, you know, I know for me, there was definitely like moments in the past where when someone would say something about me, it would really stick. And I would feel as if like, you know, kind of immobilized that, you know, what you've said is now questioned my character. And now all of a sudden, I feel like, again, I don't, I don't want to be this person who's completely just oblivious and kind of walk through the world as if whatever people tell me, like it doesn't have an effect. But what I do try to do, what I do try to do now is remind myself of who I am and what do I stand for and what do our, what are my values? And if I don't gel with somebody or if they do do something that doesn't align with me, like that doesn't mean that I need to, um, you know, feel less important or feel less valued. You know, like for instance, if I know, like I, I, and I think you said this in a past pro, uh, podcast about reliability, like it's so important that someone's reliable. And I think that's so important to me too. Like if someone texts me or if someone responds to me or whatnot, or asks me a question, I am going to, you know, as fast as I can, or as best as I can respond to that person. I know people in my life who are close to me that are not, <laughs> not that reliable. It's like, you could send them a message and you just won't hear back. And I find that like, you know, it's again, one of those things where I've had to just make that decision that, you know, this person's important to me and I'm just going to, you know, accept it or I have to figure out the best way to approach it in the future. Um, but that's not going to make me feel less about myself or it's not going to make me feel, you know, that, oh, maybe I have this, you know, false sense of value. It's, it's going to just make me realize like there's things that I do and the things that I do, I believe are important. And as a result, like I'm going to kind of continue down that path. Uh, obviously, you know, if it's nothing that I think is going to impact people negatively, but that's kind of the, the last, the letter D E A L with L being love yourself. What, what yeah. do you think? Yeah. L, I mean, that's a tough one, right? Like I've always, I've always kind of grappled with that L piece in terms of loving yourself because I, I've always, it, it's, I've always found it hard to like, you know, I, I feel like I've always been hard on myself and being hard on myself kind of forces me to, to like grow and to challenge myself. And it's been very hard to, you know, kind of like also love myself because it implies complacency, if you will. I know it's a, it's an interesting way to think about it, but I have all, but that said, I feel like in the last few years, I have started realizing that, you know, the same way that I feel I'm able to empower others by showing them support, which then helps them understand that they are capable of doing things I need to apply to myself and support myself so that I feel secure enough to then tackle the world, if you will. So yeah, I think the, the L piece is a very interesting one. And frankly, also through having kids and, you know, realizing that like, I, there's a, you can be, you can love something or someone and also be hard on them. Just like you are on yourself has given me the, the appreciation on how to direct that toward myself. Yeah, so that's my thought on it. 
No, and I, and I think that's I think that's really great that you're acknowledging that because I think you're right. I think a lot of people will struggle with this because again, it, it's hard to. I think it's hard to you know look at what you have done or who you are and to kind of genuinely kind of surround yourself with love and, and maybe not feel like this feels uncomfortable, like this feels different than what I normally do. But I think what is interesting is kind of what you just said, where it's like, well, but, and, and, and think that, oh, okay, well, if I do love myself, it's as if I've, I've kind of, you know, reached my finish line and I'm done. But I think what's kind of interesting is you, you have these kids who obviously you love more than any, anything, and you, through your love and through your support and through your, you know, balance of being there, but also challenging them, you are, they are growing. They are, you know, getting better with each day and learning and going through their, um, you know, their highs and lows. And I think it's, it's through that, hopefully you'll be able to see that that exactly can happen to you, right? Like, just like you love your son and you're pushing him and you're challenging him. He's every day, he's, getting better. He may stumble and fall, but he's getting back up. He's moving more and he's doing more. And I think that's what this is trying to say. Like everybody has the same potential. Like, and sometimes we seek other people's love as this validation or as this inspiration and, and motivation for, you know, me to go further. It's like, if I'm a football player, it's like only until my coach tells me great job that I'm motivated to move forward. But it's like, but you don't necessarily need that coach to do that. You, as a football player or as a, whatever you are, you yourself can be your own coach and you yourself can drive yourself to be something amazing. So I think what that L is trying to remind people is there's going to be people out there around you who do love you and there's going to be people who don't, or maybe they just say things that don't feel like love, but that shouldn't ever block the fact that you yourself can be this your number one fan. You can be your number one coach. You can be your number one advocate surrounding yourself with love. And that love, I think, can be the most powerful love that we need to continue to grow. Exactly. No, that, thanks for rephrasing that because that's, that's exactly what I was trying to say. Cool, man. Well, anyways, that's the framework. Again, this is a podcast that Jay Shetty did, I think, maybe a couple of days ago. Um, I can't remember the title, but it's all about this deal framework. I just thought it was really relevant because I know right now everyone's still kind of isolated or stuck at home and we're probably pushing our relationship to the limit. And this is a good chance to especially not just assess whether something's a deal breaker and figure out how to kind of embrace it, but maybe to start to ask those questions and ask, start that dialogue where you can start to make some changes positive for you and that person. Um, and then to obviously not be so hard on yourself, you know, be kind to everybody around you and be kind to yourself. Any other final thoughts? No, I like that, man. This was a good one. Cool. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you next time. And that is a wrap. Thank you so much for listening all the way till the end of today's episode. We hope you enjoyed The Empathetic Man. Our goal is to help you on your journey to become more empathetic and ultimately become the best version of yourself. If you enjoyed today's episode, feel free to share it with your family, your friends, your network, anyone who you think is looking to become more empathetic. They can be a man, woman, it doesn't matter. The goal here is to help the world be more empathetic one step at a time. Now, we would also love your feedback. If you can, 
Give us your feedback on the Apple iTunes. You can give us your comments as well as you can rate this podcast. That way we can get more viewers and more people thinking about how they can become more empathetic. Thank you again so much and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.